My Seven Chakras, episode 28. The key to immortality is first living the life worth remembering. This quote has stuck with me my entire life. You know, like I said, as I went through all these different struggles trying to figure out who I was and trying to define myself and my role in this life, I always kept that quote near to me. If, if anyone asks me about my favorite quote, that's the only one that comes to my mind right away. There's many others. I love quotes. I love to be inspired and I love to inspire. But the only one that's actually anchored into my conscious mind is that one. How do I fulfill that is everything that I do. I know I'm leaving something. I'm leaving something behind. You know, my life will come to an end, but my legacy will continue on. You know, so the work that I do now is not necessarily for me, it's for we. And by focusing on we rather than me, it will carry on a life of its own. So now if you look at people who've done great things, who've passed and gone, Bruce Lee, Elvis Presley, all these people, they become more popular after their death. You know, the amount of work that they've done in their life couldn't even compare to the amount of success they found after their life, you know, and that's leaving like a legacy behind. The seven chakras, swirling vortices of energy, positioned throughout our body from the base of the spine to the crown of the head. For thousands of years, this ancient wisdom has been passed on from master to disciple. What are the functions of these energy centers? And could these chakras help you unlock your destiny and find your true purpose? Welcome to My 7 Chakras. And now, your host, Aditya Jai Kumar. So good morning, listeners. AJ here and welcome to another episode of My 7 Chakras, a show where you get to listen to insights, advice and tips on how to improve your health from those who have dedicated their lives to raising the level of human consciousness. And I am stoked to bring you our featured guest today, good friend and an awesome human being, Paul Niger. Paul, I got to ask you this. Are you ready to inspire? Like a dynamite's ready to explode. I'm ready to get going. Awesome. So Paul is an interesting and truly inspiring individual who has a beautiful approach on life. He shares his insights and tools for living abundantly through his books, blogs and unique yoga style he calls Yoga Do in his new yoga studio called Yoga Dojo. So Paul, I've given our listeners a mini intro. So take a minute and tell us more about yourself. Well, my my life, just like anyone else's, is a long time. It's a long story. It's a long time coming. But it's funny how different people arrive to di- certain awakenings in their life at different times. You know, some people I've always looked back in my life and wondered, I was like, how did this guy know at age 14 what he wanted to do? And he was so inspired at such an age and he became so fantastic, you know. Um, whereas me, on the other hand, it was kind of different. Uh, I went through years and every five years or seven years, whatever, I just kind of have to feel like I was reinventing myself and like, okay, that didn't work. Let's do something else, you know? So I was kind of always chasing something. But as things came together, as through the years progressed, I was able to find, I was like, holy, actually everything that I was doing back then that I didn't think was working out is actually good. And I feel whole, you know? So now my, what I do, what I'm dedicated to, what really fascinates me is being able to help people connect their life to their passion as they are without having to change so much. A lot of people think that they have to come outside of themselves to become someone else, which is fine, but you can utilize the things that you've already developed in your life. Nothing goes to waste. And by using that, you can you know, find that great passion, that great career and be, live that inspired life. And that's what inspires me, helping people to do that. And right now, what I'm doing, I'm doing it through my yoga. I'm doing it through my yoga. I'm doing it through my books. And uh, any way I can help people. 
Mm-hmm. So I love the fact that you shared that something that you're doing right now might not make sense at this very moment, but later on it will all make sense because it will make you feel a whole. In other words, there is no wastage of any action that you take today in a positive direction. So thanks a lot for sharing. Oh, you're welcome. Now, Paul, I know that we have some awesome stuff to talk about today and many new things to learn. But before that, we usually begin our show with an inspirational quote. So, Paul, what is your favorite inspirational quote? And give us an example of how you apply this particular quote to your everyday life. Uh, it's interesting. This is a quote that I didn't just think of. Not, it's not a quote that I just stumbled on. It's actually a quote that I found when I was about maybe even early as early as 11 years old. I'm a huge fanatic about Bruce Lee. Huge. So it's only obvious to have a quote from the great one, Bruce Lee. And this quote is, the key to immortality is first living the life worth remembering. This quote has stuck with me my entire life. You know, like I said, as I went through all these different struggles trying to figure out who I was and trying to define myself and my role in this life, I always kept that quote near to me. If anyone asks me about my favorite quote, that's the only one that comes to my mind right away. There's many others. I love quotes. I love to be inspired and I love to inspire. But the only one that's actually anchored into my conscious mind is that one. And how do I, how do I fulfill that is everything that I do, I know I'm leaving something. I'm leaving something behind. You know, my life will come to an end, but my legacy will continue on. You know, so the work that I do now is not necessarily for me, it's for we. And by focusing on we rather than me, it will carry on a life of its own. So now if you look at people who have done great things, who have passed and gone, Bruce Lee, Elvis Presley, all these people, they become more popular after their death. You know, the amount of work that they've done in their life couldn't even compare to the amount of success they found after their life, you know, and that's leaving a legacy behind. Mm -hmm. I love that you mentioned that uh, the key to immortality is to live a life Worth living, is that correct? Yes. Perfect. And a lot of us are normally future-oriented in that we are planning what is going to happen 5 years, 10 years, 15 years on the line. How am I going to benefit? But you mentioned very correctly is that you need to think in terms of right now. What are you doing right now for the community, for the people around you, to change people's lives, to inspire them? That will make sense, you know, 5, 10 years down the line. But I think the key, as you mentioned, is to think right now, be in the moment and to take action. So thanks for that. Oh, you're welcome. Now, I've seen some of your videos where you're practicing yoga do in the great outdoors. So I know that you love the mountains. Am I correct? Yeah, I love nature. Awesome. So let's imagine that you're conducting a workshop or a retreat somewhere among the mountains and someone asks you, Paul, what is the main focus at this point in your life? What would you tell them? Connecting everyone to their surroundings, connecting everyone to each other and connecting everyone with the material forms that are around us and connecting with the oneness, you know, through collective consciousness, through infinite intelligence, through, you know, whatever, whatever you want to call it, we were all one, you know, the oneness, you know, and the thing with me is if I'm in the mountains and I'm doing a workshop, every, no matter what class I do, whether I'm teaching a boot camp, whether I'm teaching a martial art class, whether I'm teaching, doing a workshop, a yoga class, obviously, I always, always will have a meditation component to everything I do. Why? Because it, 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 it takes away the separation that we have. You know, when we do things, we think, well, I'm doing it for me. You know, a lot of times we're going for, to the gym. A lot of times we're, you know, we're trying to get ahead, a kickstart in our career, go to school or whatever it is. We think it's just for me. But when you come into meditation and you dissolve from form and into an energy, 
you become formless. And in that formless state, there's no separation between you and I. So everything that you've done in your form, you what you thought was just for that form, no, it's not. It's meant for everyone. And like I said, collective consciousness, infinite intelligence, we are all connected. So what you do in this lifetime will benefit me in terms or we all together in terms of the universe. When you think of the whole spectrum of the universe and our role and how everyone's life does play an integral role of the, the life and existence of the universe. Connecting to the oneness, to the collective consciousness and to the infinite intelligence. I love that. And thanks for sharing. So, Paul, let's move on to a topic that is at the very foundation of our show, the chakras. And you've been practicing yoga and other forms for so many years now, so you may be able to relate. Could you talk to us a little bit about the significance of the chakras in your practice? Well, for me, yoga, like we know yoga, like a lot of people right now in the West are looking in yoga in terms of fitness. You know, I want to get a six pack. I want to lose 10 pounds. I want to wear Lululemon pants, you know. But for me, when I'm teaching yoga, I do, I'm using fitness. And I can understand the truth of yoga, what the true meaning of yoga was meant to be. It's meant to be done in silence. It's not meant to be done with one person talking while in the pose because mm-hmm. you can cause energetic imbalances. Because when you're talking in a pose and you're holding a pose, it's meant to activate certain chakras and cause and bring physical and energetic alignment. And you're speaking through the throat chakra you're throwing things out of whack, mm-hmm. right? You're, you're bringing more dominance to that area, right? So I can understand that true yoga is meant to be done in silence, you know, and you're meant to do it with your eyes closed and void of the top 40 music that a lot of people are playing, you know, in the <laughs> background. And, you know, this is a dance party. Let's see, you know, that's cool. But what I'm doing through my yoga is I'm using fitness because that's a huge trend. Everyone wants to be fit. Yeah. Why? Because they, they see it in the media. Oh, this person's fit. Oh, that person's considered sexy because they're fit. Now they're more attractive and now people will be able to come towards me and I'll, I'll be popular and it's all the ego. But what I'm doing is I'm using my style of yoga and fitness as a vehicle to connect to their subconscious mind and to connect to their spirit, to connect with their soul. So when I'm talking about the chakras, I don't say chakras too much about my class. On some students, I do because mm-hmm. some people have a meditation practice. And when I teach them, I love it because I can speak freely. But on other people, I'll use different words. I'll just say, well, you want to be energetically aligned. So when you go in certain poses, uh, you want to lengthen and strengthen certain postures because if you're bent in one way too much, then that's your energy becomes cramped, right? So in terms of Chinese medicine, I study, I'm a doctor of traditional Chinese medicine as well. Mm-hmm. So in terms of traditional Chinese medicine, you start to, your chi flow becomes inhibited. So if it's blocked in one area, then physical ailments can start to manifest. So when I'm talking about the chakras, I'm talking about the energy, I'm talking about the chi and lining it in the body so it can move freely. And so areas that may be stagnant become activated. So chi can flow through there freely in an abundance and then, you know, just aligning. And also a lot of people who have emotional problems, timid, being timid or digestive problems or whatever, I see imbalance in their chakras. So by bringing awareness that you have an energy body, that your, your physical manifestation is, is a result of the imbalance of your, or, or balance of your energy body, you know, then you can start to heal yourself. You know, if you have a digestion issue, you're like, okay, hold on, what's my posture? Or oh, hold on, what's, the, what's my emotional viewpoint towards my self-image in that area? Is my stomach sticking out? You know, like am I subconsciously sub, um, insecure about my stomach? So if I can release that negativity, the negative emotion towards that area, maybe my digestion will be better. So for me, it's just about teaching people how to connect, you know, with their energies and realizing that, yeah, you can restore the balance. And then by restoring the balance, you can find the health, Mm-hmm. that you see 
a long answer to a question. That, I'm sorry. I like to. I'm very passionate. I'm very. You know. I have. I feel like in this time. I want to share as much as I can. I'm like that little stick of dynamite that wants to explode. I want everyone to feel the energy. You know, not in a bad way. Mm. You know, I want everyone to like the energy that explodes is life. It's huge. Well, how, you know, a lot of people think that, you know, we started with the next, uh, the, the Big Bang Theory, you know? So that's the same thing. Mm-hmm. So in that explosion, what do you see? A big flash of light. And that's what I'm doing. I'm providing the light. And you have provided that flash of light for us by giving us unique dimension to our understanding of the chakras and by saying that the true meaning of yoga the way it's supposed to be performed is that it's supposed to be done in silence and if that is not done in silence then in some way or form you're sort of affecting the energetic alignment as you mentioned so there you go listeners learn yoga learn these asanas in studios maybe through a guru but once you do maybe learn some of these asanas try it out in the outdoors, try it out when you're alone, try it out when you're in perfect silence. And I'm sure that the experience would be different. So perfect. Uh, let's dive right in. Uh, so Paul, what is yoga do? And how is it different from conventional yoga? Yoga do is entirely see entirely different. So I had a, in a long time, I've been studying yoga for uh, not as long as most people. I've been doing it for, I think, the first time I was doing yoga. It might have been like back, but at least 10 years now. Mm. Um, but I've been doing martial arts much longer. And for me, martial arts is uh, it's not, not just something I did. It's a family tradition. You know, it's like a rite of passage in our family. You get to a certain age and, you know, by age seven, that's when I started. If you get to a certain age and you're going to be doing martial arts for a certain point. Mm-hmm. We have a bunch of black belts in our family. Uh, but for me, it wasn't just about the sport. I did enjoy the sport. But for me, it was a lifestyle. And in that lifestyle, and when I did my traditional practice of martial arts, there was always a visualization or meditation component to it. And I remember being age 11, you know, summer holidays. And before my friends would come over, I would have my own practice of martial arts, including the meditation. Uh, so for me, I, I knew I loved martial arts a lot because when I did it, I would just zone out. There's something about coming into an empty room with no equipment, just a mirror, maybe a, uh, a stereo, and a punching bag and a skipping rope. That's all I needed. I didn't need anyone there. I remember in my adult years training at one in the morning after work, mm. you know, and having the space to myself, being fortunate enough to have a key to a gym and being able to train. And without the heat, you know, paying, it's like a garage space, so there's no heating in there. So it's like in the winter in November over here, it gets quite cold. Mm. But I just remember just being so inspired and just being so in the zone. And that's what I wanted to bring it into my yoga. I had a, tr- a hard time wanting to teach yoga because i understand like well it's no different it's just meditation and yoga go hand in hand yoga is just an an extension to one's meditation so in teaching it and with the top 40 music in the background and this and that i felt like i was there was no need for me because there's already people who are doing that so yoga do for me what i've done is i've created a fusion of martial arts you know the spiritual form of martial arts and the traditional aspect of martial arts into the yoga and so if you look at the word yoga or sorry, yoga or yoga, it connects your meaning to connect with yourself. You connect with your spirit, union with spirit. Uh, whereas do, Japanese word, which meaning the way like yoga, uh, sorry, taekwondo, you know, they'll say karate do or Bruce Lee's art called jeet kune do, do meaning the way. So yoga do is, you know, it's a combination of that word and also the do being in there to reflect the martial arts in it or the, the Asian, you know, coming from the Asian style of martial arts, the Japanese style mostly. Um, just to combine that. But also, I'm also different because I have a personal training background. You know, my whole life, I'm very technical. I'm a Virgo. 
Uh, so I'm very specific as to how I want things to be done. Um, especially when I remember practicing hours. I used to train five hours a day after work. Oh. And even as a child, I remember just doing kicks, one kick over and over again, nonstop, just perfecting it. You know, it wasn't enough to do it 10 times. I had to do it a thousand times, you know, and then just as you perfect it, you feel good. You feel good in that range. So for me, I'm very technical in my approach, in my teaching. So when I'm teaching people in my yoga class, I'm teaching them not about just the chakras. I'm not just teaching them, okay, put your arms up here and, you know, um, no, I'm teaching them about body awareness, energy awareness, and also just being aware of the muscles, you know, that you need to activate because a lot of yogas or yogis, sorry, come from a dance background. I'm coming from a martial art background, but some come from a dance background. What they do is they go really deep into the poses. As they go deep, they look beautiful. All these women, you know, they're doing the splits in the air and I think that's great. It looks good. It's like a picture. You want to take a picture of them hanging, hanging on your wallet. <laughs> However, a lot of these people get joint issues, back problems, hip problems, knee problems. Why? Because they have no muscle awareness. And from my martial art background and also my personal training background, I can understand which muscles you need to activate to protect the joints. Because if you go too deep in the, the pose, your whole weight goes into the joint. Mm-hmm. And then your tendon starts to stretch, you know, and your ligaments. You don't want that. Uh, I also have a style uh, outside of yoga though called Kali Do Yoga. Uh, so that's a really, really cool video. You can actually see it on YouTube, but Cali is a Filipino style of stick fighting. So much like hockey is a national sport in Canada, um, stick fighting is a national sport in the Philippines. Mm-hmm. So I come from a background, I did a little bit of stick and knife fighting and I wanted to utilize that. Like I said, as I look back in my life and all the things that I tried to do that I didn't end up doing much with, I grabbed everything that I ever did in my whole life. Everything, I, and I put it together and I combine it to what I do today. So stick fighting and knife fighting is no different. So I'm using the stick not as a weapon, but as a therapeutic tool using traditional Chinese medicine therapies. Um, like I said, I studied six years in traditional Chinese medicine, becoming you know, the doctor of Chinese medicine, getting the certification for the, the program that I studied in. And I combine that into my yoga style called Kalido Yoga. So what that's doing is I'm moving and flowing in a very floetic manner in all my classes that I teach the yoga do the Kali do and also the bliss camp fitness class and I can explain that later later they all follow the nature of water and we're all made up of approximately 70% water right so mm-hmm. why not follow that natural flow why go against it because if you go against it then you, you you become your energy becomes out of whack you know you can have emotional craziness you become crazy you might have you know, severe depression, anger, anxiety, all these things is because you're, you're going against your natural flow, you know? So by flowing and being fluetic and moving like water, uh, you're able to remain harmonic. Mm -hmm. So yeah, different style. Like I do that. And then also, so I'll tell you real quick about, uh, my bliss camp. So bliss camp is a play on words from boot camp. So boot camp, a lot of class and, uh, they, you know, they go in there, they go do the 50 push-ups, they're going to do the jumping jack, mm-hmm. this and that, running a whole hour, they're getting a good sweat, you know, it's beautiful, they release endorphins, and, uh, you know, they, they're looking for the six-pack, they're looking to get fit. Uh, me, on the other hand, I'm using Bliss Camp because for me, like I said, everything I do has a component of meditation into it, I'm, I want to raise consciousness. So Bliss Camp, I want people to connect with themselves. Right. You know, not connecting to themselves through vanity and like, oh, I look sexy because I got six pack. No, but connecting to yourself because you can actually feel who you are, feel your spirit, feel the energy in this physical form that's just there temporarily. You know, Um, so for me, I run it through six phases. 
the hour, the class that I teach, it runs through six phases that reflect the cycles of life. Um, so it's in depth. So for me to explain it here, you might want to just come do a class. <laughs> sure, sure. I love the fact that you mentioned that you were born into the practice and you have a couple of black belts in your family. So as a result, it wasn't just a routine for you. It wasn't just a workout. It became a lifestyle. And that's such a big difference uh, when you incorporate a lifestyle into your life as opposed to just going for these workouts. And you mentioned uh, uh, the importance of perfection. It's it's magical what can come out of perfection, practicing that one kick multiple times, that one pose, or having that one single-minded focus in whatever you do. And the fact that you bring in that uh, dimension of muscle awareness when you're doing your poses. I think that's huge. And I've been to a couple of studios locally as well in Vancouver, but uh, it's not really uh, a major focus. They don't really speak about the muscle awareness when you're doing the, those poses. So I feel you bring a unique dimension to uh, the practice of both yoga and martial arts and sort of you, you're blending in to create something new called uh, Yoga Do. So thanks for that. Also, so I, just to expand on how I was saying about Kalido yoga, mm-hmm. I do use traditional Chinese medicine principles. So what we are doing, we're raising uh, chi into the body. So I want to teach people, when you get sick, when you get injured, who's going to heal you? A lot of people are quick to jump to the doctor. Oh, I got stomach ache, my arm hurts, whatever. But that's by having a separation between not only you and other people, but a separation between you and your true self, your true spirit. So through Kali Do Yoga, what I'm doing is I'm teaching people about chi and energy activation so we can create their own self-healing process. Whenever you go see a doctor, you take some sort of medication or whatever, that's there just to facilitate your own healing. You know, there's a practice that you are meant to do, a different exercise you are meant to do um, so you can maintain a level of health. But a lot of people aren't connecting with that. So that's why I created uh, Kali Do Yoga. So people can learn. So I'm using the stick and not as a weapon, like I said, as a therapeutic tool. And we're hitting different acupuncture points. Mm. We're using different massage techniques that are taken from Twina, the Chinese uh, massage practice, you know, um, just to heal the body and to bring awareness to that energy within the body. You know, through this energy, you know, this world is made up out of two ingredients. This entire world, this entire universe is made out of two ingredients. One is energy and the other one is matter. Mm-hmm. So... Matter is just a denser form of energy. So within matter, energy is held within every particle and is holding it together to create some sort of form. You know? So when you get rid of matter, what remains? And that's just the energy. Just the energy. And then when people can connect with that energy, not only are they connecting with the energy that's held within their form right now, but they can connect with the energy of the entire universe because it's the same material. You know? you, that's what we say when like, you play an integral part of the entire universe. No m- matter how big or small you see your life or your, your size to be, it doesn't matter. You are not only playing an integral part of the universe, but you are the universe. You know, now if you, a lot of the times we see pictures a lot online, you look at the eyeball. The eyeball kind of does look like different galaxies. It looks like different parts of the universe. And that's, that should show us that mm. you know, no matter who you are, what you think you are, you are here for a reason. And the key is a lot of people are like, ah, oh, I'm just going to play video games. I'm going to watch some TV and movies and stuff like that. And they dormant. Why? Wake up. So that's, the, that's what I want to do. <laughs> so when I teach any of my classes, you can see as I speak now, I'm here not to just teach you fitness, not just to teach you about what meditation is, because not everyone's interested in that. But for me, it's about talking to people's subconscious mind and programs. Like, understand, look, you have something within you. Let's use it. Let's wake that up. And let's, let's contribute to something greater and grander, something that we thought that we couldn't accomplish, but we will. A lot of times in my classes throughout the week, I hear, I can't do that. 
You know, I was like, what do you mean you can't do that? You know, if you watch my videos, my me showing showcasing my martial arts, my yoga do video, my Kali do video, it look, I showcase the advanced work, right? Look, a lot of people look at him like I can't do that. That's for guys that are fit, that are into that. No, it's for everyone. I teach people from eight to sixty-five years old. I've taught, and throughout the week, I'm I've been hearing a lot of people. You know, as I go into this pose, I'm like, okay, do as I do. Let's see. You come into this pose. I can't do that. I was like, what do you mean you can't do that? And I was like, no, we're gonna do that. So I, you know, I'm really. I have that aggressiveness in me to really urge them. You know, I'm not being a tyrant or anything. You're doing it. No, I'm going to really encourage them. I'm like, look, you can do this. So they do it. I had this one lady. She's 55. She's coming back from uh, shoulder injury and also ankle injury and hip injury. And she hasn't worked out for two months. And for some reason, she's still getting blood work on. But she's getting blood work because she's losing weight and she doesn't know why. Right. So she wanted to come back and do something, some work with me because we're not using weights. We're using body weight. And if you don't know how to use your own body weight, then what's the point of lifting up some other weight that's heavier than you are, mm-hmm. you know? And that's when you're going to, that's when you're going to lead to injury, you know, without that muscle awareness, without the body awareness, you know? So she was working with me. I was like, okay, I remember when you were here six months ago, you did 10 solid push-ups, not with your knees on the floor, not with your hips piked up. You were p- completely straight. Your core was engaged and you did 10 solid push-ups. How many can you do today? I can't do it. I was like, you can do it. Let's see. Let's try it. Give me five. Right. I said, no, actually, I said, give me one. Mm. So I was like, get, get into the position. Now lock out your core, like engage your core, breathe in to charge your body. You know, I'm really into pranayama. So I don't say pranayama in my class because people think that I'm a, you know, I'm some sort of yogi. Or, I am a yogi, but I mean, you know, like people think there's some sort of weirdness to that. So I don't use that. I, I'm very um, careful on the words I use when I speak to them. So I'll say, just breathe through that. So when you breathe, you live and die through all your breaths. So, you know, when you inhale, you're breathing life and energy into your body you're charging up your body so i was like engage the core inhale into this body charge it up on exhale we're gonna push up in one piece and she did it she did one i was like oh man look at that Mm -hmm. look how you just came so easy and this is months of being injured and and, you know mental injury as well just being feeling defeated that because you're injured and you're feeling sick and you're losing weight and you don't know why just thinking that you can't do it but she did it and she did uh five total push-ups solid ones and i was like Look at that. You said to me that you can't do it and you did it. So my job here is to prove to you to do things that you can do things that you never thought you could do. And then when you do do it, it's about realizing that, that you can do beyond what you ever thought you could and also to celebrate that moment. Mm -hmm. So when I do classes, any class, but especially um, my Bliss Camp Fitness, like I said, it, it runs through six stages of life. It's, It's meant to reflect the six stages of life that we go through that I had defined and it's about understanding that you can come outside of who you thought you were. That, you know, when you were born in your mother's womb, do you not feel that you have infinite potential? Do you not? And it's not about feeling it. You just know it. It is you. It's not something that you just think about. You know, it's in your subconscious. It is in your DNA. You know, but there's something that happens when we get pulled out of the mother's womb and we come into this world and there's all sorts of people, certain, so many different kinds of psychology. All of a sudden, we start to feel limited. We start to have this negative conditioning in our mind, thinking that uh, certain people are good for this, certain people are good for that. You know, uh, this person is going to have more money than me. You know, it's too, it's not fair. World is not fair, and the world just keeps raining down on me. No, that's just in your subconscious mind. So for me, it's to go into their subconscious mind and take that out and return them to understanding that they have an infinite potential. You know, and through that infinite potential, they're also connecting with their true self, their spirit. Mm-hmm. Now, I know you mentioned that uh, your classes are based on the concept of water, of, you know, 
the gradual ebb and flow of uh, of water so could you talk a little bit about what happens during this one hour or one and a half hour class and then if you can also tell us how many levels would a person have to go through before attaining mastery in yoga do yeah. are there specific levels like level 1 level 2 level 3 or something like that yes so actually yesterday was the first day i, I have this one student who um our first class is at 5:45 in the morning mm-hmm. And she's been coming diligently. And it's interesting because I had talked to her leading up to my opening saying, you know, come, you know, I I urge you to come and enjoy this class. I I assure you that you will find great benefit by coming, you know, and she said, yeah, yeah. And she was kind of like negotiating with herself. Mm -hmm. And, you know, she had a gym membership. She wanted to work out with her husband, this and that. But finally, she came, you know, she was a half hour late, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but it was okay. She came, so I gave her a class. I gave her a, a, a 30 minute class at that time. And that was it. She was hooked. So yesterday was the first day. She's been coming every day. So yesterday was the first day that I graduated her to the next level of yoga. Yoga do, sorry. So yoga do is a gentle one, mm-hmm. you know, and it's just about introducing you to certain muscles that you didn't know you know didn't know you had and you did not know how to activate and building up those muscles, the key muscles that help prevent injury and regular functional movement that you have throughout your day. You know, there's no point going to the gym and getting big and bulky if you can't move and lift you know, and move in certain directions throughout the day. Look at how a child moves. Look how an animal moves. You know, are they rigid? Do they just move linearly? No, they move in all sorts of directions. Does a child get, you know, look at a drunk person. When they get into an accident, are they going to get injured? Do they roll down the stairs? Do they get injured? No, it's because their body is relaxed. Mm, you know, true. Who goes to the gym, who's constantly flexing and, you know, straining their muscles nonstop, they lose range of motion. They lose flexibility. And then they're no, now prone to injury. How do I connect with the energy? So when they feel like water, so what I do is it's all about functional movement. So when you feel your body activating in certain ways and you're moving and flowing through different positions, you want to think, I do, I always teach my my students and I also when I do my personal practice, eyes closed because you don't want to look. I have mirrors in my studio, but that was just to, if I'm not using my studio space, I was renting it to dancers, to dance instructors. But other than that, I I didn't want mirrors because I've always trained uh, with my eyes closed, even with martial arts, because I want to feel it. I'm creating muscle memory. You know, when we move, I have them have their eyes closed and I'm having them move in a wave like manner. So in one of the moves where we're in a, I think we're in a squat and we're doing punches, we're not just staying stagnant or sorry, staying still and just moving the hands. We're moving the hips, but beyond moving the hips, we're moving a wave like motion. So if you look at a wave, it retracts from the shore, rises up and then comes forward. Right? So when we move, that's how we generate power and that's how we time our movements, all our movements with our breathing. And then so that it becomes very floetic. Now, you've obviously come a long way. You've been practicing yoga and martial arts your entire life. You've written your own book and now you launched your Yoga Do studio. So what were you doing before you developed Yoga Do? Oh, uh, struggling, hating life, thinking that I couldn't do you know, anything but punch and kick. Uh, I remember when I was a kid... My friends would go, you know, I was somewhat popular because I, I knew a lot of people in high school. Elementary was fun. It was just about playing mm-hmm. and, you know, and watching cartoons and whatever. Um, I always had martial arts. But in high school, I started, I, everyone started to grow and I stayed. Like, I know my voice didn't change until I was like, I think, you know, mid-grade 11. <laughs> I was like 17. Uh, no, I was actually, yeah, I was in grade 12. And so my voice remained squeaky all through high school. And I got bullied, I got teased, you know, but everyone does. No one is, I'm no different from anyone else. But what, instead of hanging out with my friends and, you know, going drinking and experimenting with drugs, mm-hmm. I work out 
So I would train and do my martial arts. And beyond, I would train two hours a night at the, stu- at the gym that I was training at. And then I'd come home and do another stretching routine that I had that took 45 minutes every night before bed. And as I did the stretching, once again, there was a meditation involved. Although I didn't see it as a, a yogic style or spiritual style meditation, mm-hmm. it was about visualization. It was about just feeling the pose, and which is no different from regular meditation anyways. So I went through a lot of struggle and trying to find out who I am. And I remember that's all I knew was martial arts. A lot of my friends were celebrating going to different universities and trying to, you know, come up with a new career. But I didn't know what my career was. And my parents had told me at one point, and they were like, yeah, you know, you know martial arts is good and you're really good at it. But is, do you see a, a career in that? You know, and we were looking at my instructor at the time, and he had a small space and, you know, you know, he, he looked like he was chasing the dollar at times. And they're like, well, maybe you want to, you know, go into policing or maybe you want to go into a different kind of career. Mm-hmm. So I actually at that time, I stopped training for five years. I didn't train. I went and started working in a job that I resented, uh, a laborious job mm-hmm. and working in that job, being uninspired and working for someone else and making them rich and just serving them for so long. I just felt like, well, and what am I just an ox moving these boxes around for people, for someone else? Where do I feel good about myself? When's my opportunity? So I went into school, studied marketing. I wanted to do uh, a diploma in marketing so I can get a good job and, you know, be respectful, you know, have a, pos- a position that people would be like proud of. You know, I never thought of myself, uh, although there's nothing wrong with it as I look back, but at the time, I never thought of myself as someone who would go to work wearing steel toe boots and a uh, safety vest, mm-hmm. you know, because I didn't skip class. I went to school and I took uh, all the hard class. I took physics, I took chemistry. You know, I even went to summer school for extra credit courses, not because I failed, but because I wanted to get ahead, you know, whereas my friends were getting drunk and doing drugs. I was, I, I was like, you know, what? I'm going to make the best, be, be the person I want to be. Although at the time I wasn't sure, you know, so I failed marketing and I took accounting three times and, you know, I took every summer to have to redo courses, you know, and I was like, this is too expensive and I'm struggling and I don't get it and I don't feel good. I'm having anxiety every time I go to school, spending 18 hours a day at school to fail. You know, mm-hmm. when everyone else is like talking about shows and weekends, you know, I'm studying and struggling and I didn't think there was anything for me. So then I got out while well, I failed out of college and I decided to uh, just go back into my training. So then I started going back into my training. What I did was I looked back at where my physical level was years, five years prior. And I challenged myself. I was like, look, you're going to do that same potential but you're going to do it in two months and I've, I've, that's one of my first videos that i put up um paul niger 2004 i think it's called on youtube mm-hmm. and what i did was i gave myself two months and i trained that's when i first started training five hours a day it didn't matter i remember the first two weeks i had total body pain total body pain and i would go train after working a laborious job for eight hours so i would go straight to training and i didn't care and i had a friend of mine we were talking and he goes, yeah, you sound nuts. I was like, yeah. He goes, but don't, don't worry because insanity leads to a, a little, it walks a fine line of greatness. Because when you go and you have to have that, that mind frame where you just don't care, where you were just like, it doesn't matter how it feels or how uncomfortable it feels to be you know, not watching TV on the couch, not having these kind of meals, these delicious meals, and not being able to rest the body, but you just train that diligently. So I went and I trained and I made that video and I was able to compete and get a first place position within six months at the next tournament. Wow. Yeah. So I did that. And then, but the thing, what happened was one of our founding or one of our leading members in our family, uh, my cousin, he was really an inspiration to me. Like, you know, he never, ever drank, never smoked, never did any drugs. And he was dedicated to his training and he was hilarious. Super funny. Um, He passed away. He actually took his own life. And that kind of shocked me. And I was like, oh, 
So I, it was just me and him, you know, me and him, we had like a, we were just together in our training. We would always write letters back then. We didn't, he didn't have email. I didn't have a cell phone. This is the early nineties. And we would just write letters to each other. And I would be so excited to receive a letter. And he would tell me how his training was going. And, you know, he would send me newspaper clippings of his fight and articles that were written about him. And he sent me a DVD. Someone had did a documentary about him, you know, showing his training, showing his, 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 you know, his lifestyle and all that stuff. And when he died, I was just like, man, I, I, now it's just me, you know, I have to, I have to keep the lineage. I have to keep it alive and, Mm -hmm. you know, do this for him. Uh, so I started training even hard, so more hard. And that's the problem. That's when I, when I first came to understand, it's not about being aggressive and violent to yourself. Because when I trained, I was punishing myself. I felt like I failed. I failed at school. I failed in career. I work in a job I don't like. So the only thing I'm good at, I'm going to do martial arts. In studying martial arts, I'm going to beat myself up every single day. But that's a form of punishment. Why am I abusing my own self? So in my training, I injured my knee. And injuring my knee, I required surgery. But as part of my, I remember talking to a friend. He goes, well, there's ways to fix your knee before you get surgery. You just don't know how. I go, what do you mean? He goes, well, there's different supplements you can take, different exercises you can do. Um, you just need to find it. And I was like, man, this world is massive. How am I going to find um, a way to fix my knee? I'm just a little guy who flunked out of school. How am I going to research? And it turned out uh, one of my close friends who was working in the warehouse with me, uh, he was studying Chinese medicine at the time. Mm-hmm. And I remember he's like, oh, come, why don't you do Chinese medicine with me? I was like, nah, man, I'm not smart enough, you know, for that. And I'll, maybe it is interesting to me. I think that was really cool. But I'll, I'll do it in my next life. And I remember actually th- thinking that to myself, I'll do it in my next life. I injured the knee and he actually did some acupuncture on my knee. And I was like, this is interesting. I was like, and he showed me the acupuncture chart that he uses. It's like a lot of these points that you use, they're actual pressure points that we use in martial arts to, to, to cause pain. But you're using them to, you know, bring healing to the body. Mm. So I was like, that's interesting. I was like, the same points you can use, you can heal. So what I did was I went and studied. I went and I was like, you know what? I'm, you know, I'm somewhat defeated. You know, marketing didn't work out for me. Martial arts now is something, you know, I'm injured. I got a knee injury. You know, that's the only thing I def- The only thing I did to define myself uh, was through martial arts. So I was like, let me continue on through this legacy through, you know, studying that something related, you know, the Chinese medicine. So I studied that for six years. And then as I came out of that, I remember sitting in class. This is interesting. You know, like I said, you never know what part of your life is going to be used in your future, what part of your life, the part of your life that you thought was gone to waste, it was flushed down the toilet, how you can use it in your future and nothing is ever gone to waste. Well, I remember sitting in class one day and I don't know what happened. I was daydreaming or something. I went into a meditative state and I saw a vision of me in a space. And I remember seeing wooden floors and I was helping people do something through martial arts and health. And I was like, oh, martial arts and health. I can understand Chinese medicine because at the time I was thinking I was going to do uh, just open up a clinic and, you know, uh, just apply needles to people. But there was some sort of martial art component to it. I was like, okay. And I was so fulfilled by what I was doing. And it's so interesting that, that I had that vision. I think that was in 2007, uh, 2007 or 2008. And now it's 2015 and I'm doing that right now. Mm-hmm. So you never know what part of your life is going to be used and for what. So yeah, just going through the struggles and coming out of school and, you know, going into study because as I got injured on my knee, I started doing the, uh, sorry, the Chinese medicine. And then I went further. A lifelong dream of mine is to follow in the steps of Bruce Lee and do stunts, be in movies. And I had the opportunity to be in movies, you know, stunt coordinating and being stunt doubles and um, a lot of Indian film. Um, just doubling for certain, you know, the, in Indian film, they use a lot of singers mm-hmm. as mm-hmm. actors. Yeah, the back 
at the back. Yeah. The doubling for them, but I got injured on set on the first set, first day of set. Before we started rolling cameras, as we were rehearsing, I landed on my head six feet on the concrete and a severe whiplash. I remember the next day I was in the hospital for eight hours, just waiting for a scan. I was fine. It's just severe whiplash. But choreographing, re-choreographing fight sequences that I was supposed to be in, in place of the actor. Yeah. So re-choreographing it from the phone with the neck brace on. So, you know, just doing that. So as I went through that injury, I decided, well, my martial arts style of training is too aggressive. I need to do something that's a little bit more kind. Uh, so I started getting into uh, yoga. So my yoga, I started moving and flowing, but it wasn't as I started getting to yoga, although I, I liked it, I wanted to put a little bit more of me into it. I wanted to become what I was doing. So I've, I've mixed in the martial arts because I see martial arts, yoga and meditation. I see them as one. So I put them together. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned that you faced challenges during your school, but instead of being like the other kids, you began to work out and workout was your way of empowering and healing yourself to become actually the best version of yourself and you didn't you didn't actually give up uh, and i also noted that you had a role model your your relative who you used to communicate with every once in a while via snail mail because there was wasn't any email at that point but i feel in that case that was uh, an huge inspiration for you a reason to wake up in the morning and do your workouts and have those sessions because you knew that you weren't alone, but you had that strong role model. And I think for listeners, it's so important to have a role model or a mentor or a coach or to be a part of a team because being a part of the team gives you inspiration and sometimes acts as an accountability for you to take action. So thanks a lot, Paul. Oh, thank you. So, Let's assume that a person listening to the show right now has decided to learn more about Yoga Do. Uh, what are certain benefits that this person could obtain from getting trained? Now, if you could break those benefits down into short term, that is immediate benefits, maybe right after the session or after a couple of sessions, and also into the long term uh, basis. Well, for me, um, like I said, I'm using fitness as a vehicle to consciousness. Main thing, like I, I, I don't always uh, market it as that because not everyone wants that. Like I said, people in the West want six packs. So body awareness, functional movement, uh, agility, uh, injury prevention, uh, rehab, just those are the things. And, and peace, you know, as you do a class, uh, you do you go through the waves. You know, water can be flow and be very uh, tranquil to watch and to look at, to be a part of, but also it can crash. You know, and you're you're following that nature of water. So as you do the class, you're going to have some parts that are very aggressive, that are very challenging to you. But as you keep going, the water starts to flow and you start to have that tranquil state. So my students can expect to feel that. Also, I speak, like I said, I want to, I do a lot of coaching. Like that's what my books, my books are spiritual self-help coaches, coaching topics. So it's not just about self-help, personal development, it's about understanding when you connect to your, your spirit and your soul, the resulting effect is confidence and just feeling your infinite potential in life. Anyways, it's not about coaching the brain. It's about connecting the heart. A lot of these coaches nowadays, they coach the brain. They're like, okay, so do this and do that. And you know, believe just believe you know no you don't want to believe you're just you're just trying to brainwash what you want to do you don't need to brainwash something if you actually become it if you connect with your heart it's an instant like you said so how what's the i say i think you were saying that what's the time frame what's an instant if i can get someone into the the state of meditation and they follow my class from start to finish for the hour i promise that they, they do feel that great sense of peace and as they leave the class it's not about just doing spending that one hour with me 
It's about understanding that my hour, everything that I taught, the different tools and insights that I provided in that hour extend to your entire life throughout the day and your whole life, right? So when people come in, that's the way our mind works. We need repetition, you know? Otherwise, I would just do one class and people would be boom, good, right? But I want people to, well, people in the way we are, the way our mind works, we need to do it more than once. And so when people come, they constantly get reaffirmed that they do, they are more than what they see. They are more capable of what they believe. You know, and being able to connect them to the subconscious mind, to connect them to their heart, to be able to connect them to their spirit, to be able to see and feel. Mm-hmm. Well, I like the fact that you mentioned the importance of body awareness. And through your sessions, you say that the person gets to know the individual challenge uh, that they they might have been facing uh, personally, uh, that is physically, mentally or spiritually. And through the practice, they're able to heal themselves. Uh, and also you bring in the importance of repetition. As opposed to just, you know, having this one or two workouts, I'm sure that the real benefit is when you do that particular workout on an ongoing basis on a long term and, and really make it a part of your lifestyle like you did uh, when you initially started martial arts and meditation. Now, we've reached the health tips section during which our guests share a health tip for our listeners, something simple and small that a person can immediately try to improve his or her health. So what is that one highly beneficial health tip that you could share with our listeners? Cold showers. Easy as that. Mm-hmm. If you take cold showers, let me tell you, your problems will be solved. Everything. All you need to do is take a cold shower. It's free. I spent my life savings on studying Chinese medicine for six years. But aside from that, I don't care. I want people to be able to understand that they can heal themselves. Like I said, Kali Do Yoga is about teaching people how to connect with their own energy and heal themselves. That's for free. Now, if you take a cold shower also for free, why? What does a cold shower do? Well, first of all, no one wants to take a cold shower. So when you do a cold (laughs) shower and you're done the cold shower, what have you done? You've reached a milestone and you do it first thing in the morning. You can only your day is going to be so much easier now. There's nothing that you can't handle in your day because you did something no one else wants to do a cold shower. Mm. Okay, so when you're in the cold shower, I remember when I first started taking cold showers, I remember psyching myself up. I had to like really talk to myself and do almost like a prayer, a mantra and give myself a pep talk before going in and touching that water to my skin. But what I would do is I would just jump in and I start to breathe. Your breathing starts, you get that shock. But my focus was to keep moving. But it wasn't about hiding about the shower. It's about hiding from the shower. I made sure that every cold drop touched me, my scalp, the heat areas of the body. So the scalp, the armpits, the back, and the genitals, making sure that the cold water touched those areas. It's very uncomfortable at the time, but at the same time, it's very invigorating. I was in the cold shower to the point you can feel a headache, a brain freeze. You can see your own breath like you're outside in the snow. Mm. No joke. So, But the thing is, when you turn off that shower... You can feel your skin, it's cold, cold, you'll be shivering. But when you come out of the shower, for most people who come out of the shower, they have a hot shower, they don't want to get out mm-hmm. because out of the shower is colder than it is than, it, than they are in the shower. But when you take a cold shower, you're, you're actually colder than you are yeah. outside. So it's okay, all right? So you go out of the shower and what a cold shower does, it stimulates your follicles, it, it strengthens your immune system. So if you feel like you're getting sick, I'll cold shower right away. Also, if you have... Um, and any sort of emotional anxiety, depression, or if you, you feel lost, confused, or if you're trying to decide between different things in your life, take a cold shower because it invigorates you. It makes your blood flow. It raises your metabolism. It detoxes you. 
it, it helps with muscle soreness. So it detoxes you because what happens is your muscles contract. The cold water, yikes, it's cold, it hurts, you want to contract. What happens when your muscles contract, you release lactic acid, right? So you're detoxing. So like when you come out and I used it because I wanted to challenge myself to do things I never thought I could do. And that's what I'm inspiring people to do within themselves in the yoga class and in my books. And But when you come out, it enhances your meditation. Because when I sit in my meditation, after my cold shower, my skin feels cool, but I can actually feel the, my inner body, my organs starting to heat up and war- using my own organs to heat up my superficial skin, you know, and, and it's, it's weird. It's almost feels like a massage. Like it feels very tingly. It's very soothing. You just feel very refreshed. So definitely number one health tip, cold showers It's free. You can do it right now. You don't have to go anywhere to do it. You can do it if you got, you know, running water at your house. Perfect. So not until we are lost, do we begin to understand ourselves. Now, this is a quote that is shared by Henry David Thoreau. And this is going to be the central theme for the next phase of our show, which is all about a major challenge or a learning moment. So Paul, I know that you shared a bit about the challenges that you faced in your life. But tell us about a time when you were faced by a major challenge. Take us to that moment and tell us what you were feeling at that very instant. And then how did you approach that challenge the beautiful thing about that quote is that when you are lost you become found the reason why that's so good why that makes me feel good is because i've been lost for many years Mm -hmm. for a good part of my life i felt like i was lost and that was me being lost because i was trying to fit into a mold that i wasn't cut for Mm -hmm. i wasn't meant for that mold you know and just trying to fit in where you don't belong that's the problem of being lost so now when you allow yourself to surrender and like you know what you guys do you you do what you do good at I'm going to do me and find myself. True. And by cutting, separating from that mold, that's when you start to find who you are. So for me, what I did, the different challenges was, you know, working in this laborer's job and trying out different career opportunities. And uh, they didn't seem to work out trying with school and, you know, not passing and failing three times and, you know, over and over again. I could develop a conditioning in my mind thinking that I wasn't good enough. I wasn't so smart enough. And success is going to elude me the, my entire life. So for me, in 2009, what I did was I reinvented everything about myself. Anything that I thought I was, I got rid of. So cold showers is one of them because everyone likes to have a hot shower and I was one of them. Um, Also sleeping in was one of them. So what I did, I started waking up at four in the morning every single day, pulling myself out of bed because the old me would want to stay in bed. So the new me, the reinvention of who I was going to be was going to come out of bed every single day at four in the morning Mm -hmm. and challenge myself be something more than I thought I could ever be. Reinventing myself. I would have changed. I changed everything. I would have changed my name if I could. But at the same time, I, like I said, the key to immortality is first living the life worth remembering. If I keep changing my name, mm-hmm. how could I ever, like, people wouldn't ever associate anything I do, you know, with that name. You know, they're like, oh, didn't so-and-so do this? Or was that? You know, it causes confusion. Although the name doesn't matter. It's the, you know, what's left behind that matters, you know. So, I became a vegetarian, you know, I loved eating meat, working out as much as I did. I felt like I needed, you know, to eat animal product, animal proteins. Um, So I became a vegetarian and I started writing every day, not a dear diary, but a conscious conversation with myself, asking myself, why do I feel like this? What does this feeling mean? What does this sense of failure bring me, you know, feeling it because I'm very emotional about it. So if I'm very emotional about it, there's something that I must take from it. There's a lesson seated within each obstacle, every struggle that we go through. Now, these struggles will go on repeat until you find that lesson, much like when you fail a grade in school. 
much like how I failed my classes, I can proceed unless I redid them. Mm-hmm. So until I'm able to comprehend the, the lesson seated within the struggle, I can't move on. So by understanding that, I was able to uh, start to reinvent myself through writing. My writing went from Dear Diary to What Does This Mean? And actually, as the pages started to go, I, I started to write and find things that I was writing that were beyond my own mind. I was like, I'm writing. I felt very meditative. I was taking a meditative state as I wrote. Mm-hmm. And so that's what became my first book. The key to, My first book is called Everything I Thought I Was and What I Came to Be. Next, I meditated every day. Because when I, in order to find yourself when you're lost, you must go into yourself. Uh, and rather than listening to what other people are telling you to do, or you're watching media, I'm like, oh, well, you make money doing this. Maybe you should try that. And well, you try it and you fail. Right, or you get into it, and you're doing this career that everyone says is going to make you a lot of money, but you're not fulfilled because mm-hmm. no amount of money can f- fulfill you if you don't like what you're doing. True, you know, if you don't like how you're getting it. So meditation is a huge thing for me, and it has been a, a massive tool. It's become my foundation, become my pillar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So looking back now, in one sentence, what is that one major life lesson? you would want our listeners to take away from your story. One major lesson, that everything that you do and everything that you are has a massive value towards who you're, you are to become and the world in its all entirety, that you have value. And there's no part of you that goes to waste. There's no such thing as a waste of time. Because the time wasted is, a person who wastes time is one who fails to utilize their time wisely. Mm-hmm. So thanks for sharing your story with us. Your story will truly inspire the thousands of listeners who might be listening to our show every day and inspire them to hold on no matter what challenge they may be facing right now. And with that, we are moving on to the next portion of our show, which is all about finding your true calling or your purpose. So listeners, the truth of the matter is that the darkest hour of the night comes just before dawn, the dawn of finding your true calling. And Oprah Winfrey uh, once said that although your life's calling might not make you famous or it might not pay your bills, but your job is to discover who you are meant to be. And sometimes the calling is just a whisper. And when you begin to honor that whisper, you end up being the best version of yourself. So my question to you, Paul, is have you found your calling? And if yes, what is your calling? So actually, it's, it's an interesting question because I just finished my second book, is called Your Sole Purpose, A Journey to Abundant Life. And I created a workshop retreat and I presented the first level of it in the summer and I called it the Divine Alignment Retreat, mm-hmm. which is about connecting with your life purpose. But beyond all, your life purpose is about connecting your true self. What does your soul want? Not what your mind wants, what other people tell you. Not your ego. What does your soul, what do you feel? So I felt like as I look back on my life and working in that mundane job, how did I fill my time? How did I utilize my time wisely so I wasn't able to see it as a waste? So what I did was when I, I would get in trouble for talking a lot. As you can see, I talk because mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I have a lot to share. So I would go around to different employees and I would be talking. I'd be like, well, well, I would ask them. It was almost like I was conducting an interview. Mm-hmm. And as I would talk, I would talk to these guys. I was like, well, what's your plan? You're not going to work here the rest of your life, are you? They're like, well, I, you know, whatever. It's good. The money's good. And they talk like this and that. I was like, but what inspires you? <laughs> you know, it's not about working your eight hours clocking on them watching um, hockey the rest of the night and drinking a beer and you know what inspires you what's your contribution yeah you know like what how do you want to serve and um so asking questions and challenging people with these you know these different conversations it got them thinking and a lot of people would actually message me after or come find me later on in the day and like dude you got my 
you got my mind working, man. You know, like I'm inspired. I thought I wasn't going to go back to school. I thought I was going to use this time to go travel, which is great. But you know what? I feel like I want to go to school first and then reward myself with the travel instead of traveling around aimlessly. You know, I was like, well, that's it. That's what you want to do. So as I was talking to people at work and just seeing how I train myself and how I'm, I'm always talking to people at the gym. And, you know, if I like even yesterday, some guy I don't even know he was doing deadlifts. And I, I just stopped him when he was working. I was like, look, you're not activating this muscle. You're not your, you know, your alignment is off. You're going to lead to injury. And so I just started helping him and coaching him. So for me, it's always been coaching. It's been clear. Um, when I look back, I can say it's clear. But at the time, I thought I was just, you know, a, a social butterfly. You know, that's what my manager would call me. You know, every time I get called into the office for talking too much. But the thing is, I wasn't talking about sports. I wasn't talking about movies. I was talking about meditation. I was talking about health and restoring health. I was talking about things that inspire them. Read a book. Don't watch TV. Read a book. When you're watching TV, you're being passive. Your mind's going to, you know, dead space is becoming, you know, a dead weight. When you read, you activate your mind. You create your own images. You create your own colors. You create your own story, you know, with your own images in your head. That's what you want. You're exercising your brain. Read, you know. So this is what I'm telling people and it would inspire them. So for me, like, as you can see, I'm training people now in fitness, but I'm also just training them in terms of consciousness and meditation. Um, I also have a line of jewelry that I, I have and it's, uh, I use real gemstone, gemstones. It's called Satori Jewelry Designs and I make a lot of malas. And for me, mala is not about, a lot of people are like, well, you're wearing a mala, you meditate or you're a yogi. No, don't forget that. Who cares? Don't, it doesn't matter. What I use a mala for, it's about personal development. You know, we have 90% of our thoughts are negative. You know, in our day, for most people, 90% of your thoughts, that's a big chunk. Um, so how do you, how, and we have about 50 to 60,000 thoughts per day and they change every 1.2 seconds. So how do you control the negative flow? You know, so now I always tell people, well, if you go to the gym, what are you doing? You know, you're working that bicep. You want that bicep to be strong, right? So what are you going to do? You can lift the barbell, you can bring it up to your shoulder and bring it back down, bring it back. You can do repetition. So your brain's no different. You want to create a mantra of empowerment that you're going to recite over and over again. You're going to condition your, your brain. You're going to make it so strong in your mind that you believe that you are limitless. If you, if you see a lot of trouble in your life and you're like, why am I always struggling? I hate this. Life sucks. So what are you going to do? Your mantra is going to be thank you. And all the time, whenever you feel stressed, depressed, or whatever, what are you going to do? You're going to say thank you. Because whenever you say thank you to someone, you, you re you're receiving something kindly. You know. So whatever it is that they give you, you're going to say thank you. And you, you receive it with ease. Without tension, you know, it's no, no different from that person who's drunk or who just works out all the time. It doesn't work on um, stretch. They become rigid. And as you knock them over, they get injured. A drunk person, on the other hand, you know, or a young child, they're more agile. They're more flexible. They have range of motion. There's no tension. It's the same thing. So if someone, if life presents something to you and rather than being tense towards it, you want to receive it. You know, and by receiving it, your, your emotional and your mental state starts to change. And you can understand that whatever it is that you can handle it. It's not an issue. Mm -hmm. Well, that is an inspiring story indeed. It just shows us the power of having those conversations, having just one conversation, which is meaningful and that can change somebody's life. So thanks for that. You're welcome. So all right, Paul, we have now reached the final round, which is called the wisdom round, where I will ask you a series of questions and you will respond with nuggets of wisdom, just like in a rapid fire round. The result of this round are loads of actionable insights for our listeners to get inspired and take action right away. So, Paul, are you ready? I'm ready. Let's see. See how this goes. Awesome. So, what is the best advice you have ever received? Uh, breathe. 
Now we know that great habits can change your life. So if you had to recommend a personal habit that contributes to your well-being, what would it be? Right. So Paul, describe the first two hours of your day. What is your morning ritual like? First thing when I wake up is I fake smile. I lay in my bed and recite everything that I seek to do for the day with a smile on my face. Fake it till you make it. Uh, then I take a freezing cold shower followed by meditation. And through my meditation, I have different gemstones that I use that I hold in my hand. I have around me, I light a candle and I use different incense. And then from there, I'll have lukewarm water right after my meditation because my energy becomes infused into the water energy of love and I blow into the water after my meditation before drinking it and then when I drink it I visualize a stream a tranquil image of water a stream going over rocks a waterfall me swimming in the ocean I visualize that every time I drink water I drink water with my eyes closed always that's my morning always drinking lukewarm water or, or room temperature because when you um, when you have cold water Splash on you, you, you tense up, tense up. So your organs are no different. So when your organs are warm and you drink cold water, they tense up. So you're not going to absorb anything. You actually become de- uh, dehydrated from drinking water. You're not going to get any n- minerals from that. But if you take cold water, the same temperature as your, or sorry, lukewarm water, the same temperature as your organs, your organs will receive it qu- kindly. They're relaxed. Like I said, thank you in the mantra. So same thing with your organs. Your organs will absorb that water and you become hydrated. And when you're hydrated in the morning, because you become dehydrated while you sleep, you become hydrated, you hydrate your body, so your digestive system becomes facilitated. You can digest better. Now, finding and reading the right book can be life-changing. So if you had to recommend one book that changed your life, what would it be? The Mustard Seed by Osho. So listeners, you can find links to all the resources that we talk about in the show notes. So Paul, I've really enjoyed chatting with you today. Before you go, tell us one thing that you're really grateful for today. Tell us the best way we can find you and then we'll say goodbye. The thing I'm grateful for is just being able to celebrate me and all parts of me. And by when I say that, I'm, re- I'm saying there was no part of me that went to waste. That I'm able to utilize everything, everything I've gone through, even the struggles that I've gone through. Like I said, the struggles that you go through and you find the lessons through them, you can share them with others. And I'm able to celebrate that and watching other people smile and watching other people grow and thrive in their lives. That's something I'm very grateful for. I'm very grateful for to have this awareness of myself, my true self, my spirit through meditation, through deep breathing, pranayama uh, practices. Um, I'm very grateful for the, you know, this part of the world where we have, you know, clean water and I have access to food. You know, I have a beautiful family and a, you know, a great home, um, which gives me an opportunity to share with other people. It puts me in a position where I can inspire other people. You know, a lot of people live in part of the world. If there's, I think there's 7 billion people on the planet, I think 3 billion are without power. Those people don't have the opportunity to share their great insights. I have electricity here and I have food. You know, I'm not worrying about that. So now my mind's not focused on that. I can, pro- I can provide other things, tools to the other people. That's a huge blessing. And uh, how can we find you? Oh, uh, I have my personal website, which is paulniger.com, N-I-J-A-R. And from there, I have blogs that you can check out. And I saw my online, my ebook version of my first book, which is called Everything I Thought I Was and What I Came to Be. I also have my Yoga Dojo website, which is uh, yoga dojo, D-O-J-O dot C-A. Um, and yeah. Wonderful. Thanks a lot f- for being so incredibly kind. I know for a fact that you have a lot of resources on your website, articles, videos, and some resources that can really inspire and change your life. So listeners, without fail, go on to the links, go to the website, and uh, learn something new. 
So Paul, thank you for being so awesome today, sharing your wisdom and taking our listeners one step closer to a human revolution. Oh, thank you so much for having me and thank you so much for having uh, such a wonderful you know, podcast where people can learn about such things. And I wish you well for on continued success. You are listening to My 7 Chakras. Go to mysevenchakras.com. Download your free gift, get inspired and take action. Transform your life today.